We are live. Welcome to the Light the Sky podcast. Uh, we are covering tonight, uh, one day before Christmas Eve, we are uh, bringing you Nirvana, a rap discussion. Uh, perhaps this is something new that you might enjoy because you don't want to listen to the album-by-album, track-by-track shows that we are all about. Maybe you just want to dip your toe into a little bit of Nirvana, the Nirvana pool, um, before you pull it out again and decide it's not for you. So we are giving you a special rap episode that could probably serve as an introduction. So if you want to learn more, we do this track-by-track, album-by-album, through the three Nirvana albums, and dig into those if you want more. But uh, after completing those, which we have already done, we are going to be doing a rap show tonight it's going to be open format discussion on nirvana i've prepared a couple of questions but i really haven't dug into it too much um it's just really just you know kind of what we did for kevin's special episode which is a blast which is about the state of rock music and i think that spawned two hours of great discussion so we'll see if this lasts two hours or if it lasts 15 minutes before we're offline again we'll see uh, how productive this Nirvana discussion can be. Uh, we are streaming live on Twitch, which we have started for our Nirvana show, which will be replayed on YouTube for those of you who want to see our beautiful faces all in a row uh, talking about this stuff. And there's no music to be heard on each stream, so if you don't hear music, it's because uh, we would get a copyright strike. So for the full experience, listen on Spotify, Apple uh, Music, Google Podcasts. Uh, but if you want to talk live, if you want to stream live, you want to see us hot off the press, then you can uh, follow us on Twitch, uh, uh, twitch.tv slash light the sky. That will be something we are going to be continuing with our next discussion, which might be related to our current discussion on Nirvana. Might be a competing band. Uh, might be something totally different. Might have been throwing out Huey Lewis in the news out there for the newsers <laughs> in the audience that want a heavy dose of the 1980s. But I'm getting ahead of myself because tonight we are going to do one last dive into one of the, well, I mean, if you call it greatest, that might be up for debate because there's only three albums, but Nirvana definitely have some highly acclaimed albums under their belt despite the short output. And they were good discussions, and let's wrap it tonight. So I'm going to start this discussion just by going over the love it or flush it. Uh, I've got my three co-hosts uh, on oh here with God. me. Yeah, this will be fun. Uh, so I, I've seen this bloodbath yeah, so already. So it's myself, Chris, <laughs> Alex, and Kevin, uh, my co-hosts on here. And so for those of you new to the show or just don't follow to the end of our extra long shows, love it or flush it is a little fun section that we have at the end of each track by track debate where we go track by track again. And based on the debate, we will either love, flush, buy, or terminate each track on the album the buys uh are exclusively reserved one per album maybe two uh we did two in the case of nirvana because they were short but it is for building your own spotify playlist that best represents the band um i see it as building a script a screenplay of a film uh, a docudrama or a dramatization of you that perhaps you would want to see about the band told through their songs that's how i see it but um you know you see it your own way but we got to buy two songs each album uh we can love as many as we want we got to flush at least one and termination are res is reserved for songs that should have never existed removed from the space-time continuum disservice to the band whatever you want to call it they should disappear. They should be out of there. You got to do at least two for the Nirvana discography. And so we went through one by one, and the final results are in. I have averaged, as I do for all of the discographies, uh, the average Nirvana love giving, including uh, buys and loves for each of us, 
Who comes out first? For those of you who don't watch the charts, Chris, Alex, who do you think? Well, I'm looking at the okay, charts. Okay, you're right looking now, at the charts. Because- <laughs> it's Chris. You win. Wow. You love Nirvana. You and your in utero t shirt have oh. won the prize <laughs> of a bag of um, umbrellas, I suppose, to help you endure all of that Seattle rain wow. and depression. You win the Light the Sky <laughs> umbrella bag uh, with your 74%. I, 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 I don't know what to say. You I don't just, know uh, what to say. I, I'm speechless. I'll, g- so. I'll get Jen to make one yes. for Chris. <laughs> Alex, 71% as the runner-up. I'm surprised. Yeah, you, I, yeah, thought so I, I. I thought I easily won that. Yeah, I, I, I think you went into this kind of as the Nirvana fan with Chris following, but you win a used in utero shirt from Chris. <laughs> That's your prize. Yes. <laughs> I hope it fits. <laughs> I don't know if it'll fit, yeah, but that's I, okay. I greatly doubt it, but uh, I would love to see that, though. Surprisingly, I am in number three at 57% Nirvana love across their discography. I Kevin. win nothing. Um, and yeah. Kevin at, well, the expected, I guess, uh, but actually a surprising number at sub 50%. of the Nirvana discography Kevin loves. So basically more bad than good in his Nirvana (laughs) playlist, Uh, which I guess, you know, to be fair, and this is one of the discussion questions that we were going to throw out there, the Bleach album, is it really an album or is it a, you know, a demo tape or a zero album? I think you could make the argument either way and that kind of weights it, uh, you know, heavily. Right, because I had a lot of flushes. I'm looking right now. I, I I only kept three songs around, and I gave it a three out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really dragged down the rest of the discography. I don't know what it would be if you took that out, but I'm betting it would be over fifty yeah. percent. And, and you just so it's tough when you got three albums and you hate one of them. Like <laughs> it's it's gonna drag you down. Yeah, and and we were the same order in the police. Chris being seventy nine percent police love, Alex seventy five, myself sixty six, and Kevin sixty four. So a positive general group outlook on the police, but still the same order. Queen, uh, I was Chris again. Chris, you love these bands, don't you? Uh, Chris uh, again, topping the charts at sixty-seven percent. Myself, right behind at sixty-six, sixty with Alex and Kevin, the usual laggard uh, when it comes to these shows. And Pink Floyd, oh, that's a good one. Oh, I'm surprised. Here's some surprising numbers. Chris again up top at sixty-four. Alex number two at fifty-eight. Myself at fifty-seven, and Kevin at fifty-two. 52 barely bringing pink floyd above nirvana there so i'm guessing maybe kevin should pick the next discography just see us so we yeah let's see something that kevin would like because it seems to be no 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 pink floyd i'll I'll tell you this much come on there's way more numbers a little bit yeah so if if Pink Floyd also suffers from the wall. You trash 50% of the wall songs. It's 20, 27 songs. You trash in 13 if you love all of animals, but you still have to flush one. Yeah. It's, there's some okay, weight Okay, but over there, 15 right? albums, 16 albums is going to average out. And what you're telling me is that you think that 50, it's 50, 48% of Pink Floyd is crap. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> well, I mean, I did, I did, yeah. I did, oh, I did put that get, one on Reddit. I did. Actually, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably, I'd be willing to say that. I'd, I'd totally be willing to say that. Hundreds of millions of albums yeah. sold, and forty-eight million of them belong in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know, but no, this is about liking yeah. albums, and I, 
Genuinely, can you raise your hand and say, yes, I like two-thirds of all Pink Floyd? I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I can say, I can clearly say I probably like 50% of the band's output. I mean, given the Golden Era, some of the other deep cuts, the Gilmore Era stuff, and then some great songs off the early stuff, sure. Okay. But, well, Metallica. Uh, we think I, I think I have where our highest score. No, Chris was the highest with Nirvana, surprisingly. Metallica. Alex, you lead with seventy-two percent Metallica. Uh, uh, send uh, a gift card to Alex. That's all that load. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Load yeah. love there. <laughs> Um, Chris behind that at 50, uh, 50, 65%, myself at 63. No, sorry. Kevin at 64, myself at 63. Yeah. And not bringing up the rear rear at the rear of the Metallica. Well, you know, I went through my Metallica phase, but you know what? 63%. I'm proud of that number. I think that's fine. Hey, you know what? Van Halen, 71%. That sounds right to me. I like probably about 71% of Van Alex Halen. Alex at 60, 76% of Van Halen. Chris at 75. Kevin at 71. And me way behind at 63. Um, feels right to me. I'm just not as connect. Well, I mean, Van Halen, I balance and uh, OU8 way on two, I was not fans of. So that accounts for a lot of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting how we kind of tend to have that Chris and Alex up front and then Kevin and I lag. Kevin <laughs> definitely tending yeah. to lag. So. That's interesting, Mark. You're you don't have like one highest band really. Queen, I you suppose. Got to- I guess Queen and Queen, yeah. Queen and the Police are both tied for sixty six percent. Maybe I need to be, start being uh, less objective in my uh, in my support and start just kind of. I think I need one discography where I just like where it's just from a, a casual fan perspective. Yeah. Maybe that'll help you me. Know my, you know my perspective. Police, Seventy. You like eighty four out of every five police songs. You're jamming to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, I think a lot of that. Yeah. Chris, mm-hmm. Alex, uh, for I the think most you need to part, bring in a nice pop min- punk discography. To really put Chris in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll bring those numbers down, way, way down. Um, I, I will say though, as I look over even the police, like I, I feel like a the ones that I loved and flushed things like that, I feel pretty good about. I mean, overall, I I don't feel like there's too many. I mean, maybe flushing Roxanne, I still feel a little bit. You know, uh, that could, probably could have been. But you know my motto on this show. My motto is if it's on the edge, if I have to talk myself into it for the most part, when it comes to love it or the flush it, it usually gets the flush. Yep. So that's what, I mean, I'm sure that drags my percentage down a Maybe. little bit. I mean, because. Well, just... let's, let's get back to Nirvana. And uh, we will start with um, talking about songs that you may have been too harsh on. And thinking about it and sitting with it and re-listening to it or not re-listening to it if you've just checked out of Nirvana. Um, but I think that there is a song, and I'll start because I opened up the question, a song that I was too harsh on. And I think the definition of too harsh being a termination would qualify. Um, on a plane, I terminated it. I don't think it needed to be Ooh, terminated. Yeah, what was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> it's it stuck with me. It stuck in my head. I don't know if I have yeah. a better explanation for it than that. Other than that, it is at least by Nirvana standards a pretty you know a, a complex song, a creative song, and uh, it it was terminated for me. I maybe it was just because I was forced to terminate too. I don't know what my reasoning was for that, but uh, I don't think it deserved it. I was a little harsh on that one, so. My apologies to on a plane lovers. I think it, I should uh, have brought that back. 
Anybody else got I got a similar song? I I do actually. Um Lithium. Still not a fan, but I would have rather terminated Lounge Act, I think. I yeah. might have given Lithium the flush. <laughs> but I think I turned it I, I think I would no, I mean I, I, I might have still given it even if I hadn't uh terminated it. I think I turned it more out of spite from like my whole Justin Bieber comparison and just like wanting to shove it in people's face. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> that I probably honestly Lounge Act is the more terminatable song. So I am maybe a flush. Maybe it would have been a light squeeze instead of a terminate. Terminate. So I apologize to Lithium. It, it has some good energy, and I'd probably listen to it ten times out of ten over Lounge Act. Yep. I get. I guess for me, I mean, out of Nevermind and in Utero, I really didn't want to get rid of anything that was more like playing the game. But I guess if I went back to Bleach, I ended up like liking Sifting actually. I almost don't wish I flushed that. And I don't, maybe scoff wasn't that bad. I still kind of stand by my decision on SWAT meeting you know, the uh, famous Mr. Mustache. <laughs> but I think, I think out of all those, I think sifting, because it had that like Metallica kind of riff to it that mm-hmm. I liked. And I remember that one getting stuck in my head after the podcast. I'm like, I just flushed this, but I, I'm going up to the kitchen and it's stuck in my head. So that's got to say something. Yeah. So maybe that one. And when you put something down the drain, it starts coming back up. <laughs> Like it's, yeah, it's got right. energy. It's, it's all, yeah. It is alive. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. I I was just trying to think back. I was pretty kind of set in my, uh, as far as what I flushed and terminated. Um, well, I mean, it funny. could just yeah, be the, an opinion, yeah. too, that you may have been too harsh on a song. Um, or was there something that you think you loved? As as you're, you are a leader, Chris, at almost 75%. Yeah. So is there something you're like, eh, maybe I like that a little bit too much? Uh, I guess maybe, because I know I threw support to it at school. I know you guys just wanted to never hear that again. And again, that's why... Alex bought it! And again, going back to... And again, uh, I'm, not, I'm not backing down. Yeah, no, I... And, uh, again, uh, and Kevin did make a good point about that, that it's hard yet yeah, where you have to... To understand what the song is about, you have to... When you have to read up on it, like, I get that, yeah. And uh, maybe I was a little too objective on maybe supporting that, just looking at it uh, yeah, from... Because, again, we, we all did, for the most part, did our research, and that influences how we approach yeah kind of what we're talking about and just from a casual fan perspective yeah kevin i probably would have i probably would have gotten rid of it immediately because it's like okay it just sounds like like it's, yeah going back to what was that mark talking about like the kid just scribbling on his notebook or whatever and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah where it's <laughs> i think that's the image burned yeah. into and, again, and, and, and again and, and, and again at that point i mean people were kind of dissecting kurt's lyrics uh uh i mean when we at, when we started the, the first album i mean we that really wasn't set in yet as far as us really understanding that and maybe maybe those guys were right as far as maybe he was just him just throwing down maybe it wasn't a complex uh, uh song about like kind of social hierarchy in the in the schools or whatever yeah maybe maybe it was just him just throwing words on a page i mean i, I don't know uh yeah uh, so maybe that's it maybe it's yeah maybe that uh yeah maybe i was maybe a little too positive on that one i guess if i'm gonna go from that perspective yeah, yeah, maybe I should have been maybe I should have been a little bit more kind of like all right, let me uh all right, let me just kind of pull up my yeah. Yeah, the yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. In other words, like have you listened to school since, Chris? No, I haven't really like like Alex was saying earlier, I really haven't dwelled much on the Nirvana discography at all. <laughs> well, and, and that's uh, uh, an interesting sorry to everybody out there, but yeah, yeah segue into yeah. A, a a question of, you know, 
do you want to hear a fourth album? Like, would you have wanted to hear a fourth album from the band? I would have. Or is three the kind of the, do you had the, the, the punk cred debut, you had the pop album and you had the in-between album. And that's really just the perfect yeah, it's, discography. It's, it's, it's where they were such a moment in time. I don't know what else they would have. Cause yeah, I don't, I couldn't see them going back into yeah doing like where you kind of come for a little circle. You start with bleach and then you, and uh, I don't know, like the next, yeah, after all the success they've had, then they come back to that kind of album where they're making Melvin esque records where it's just very anti-commercial, very kind of clubby. Yeah, I don't know. I think they set themselves up in a position where I don't think they could have necessarily done that. I mean, I would have liked to have seen Kurt evolve his pop sensibilities a little bit more. I mean, it would have been nice because I think, like I said during the discussion, it was sad that he always felt he had to hide that and kind of to keep that kind of uh, kind of on the down low a little bit uh, where he, yeah, I mean, and like you said, but never mind. I mean, the best moments you can see like, wow, this is okay. A guy who really understood the simplicity of pop, of a pop, of uh, of writing pop music and again, because of the pressure of his scene, he couldn't he couldn't really explore that, I think, as much as maybe he wanted to. So maybe Dave goes, does the Foo Fighters. Kurt has, launches a solo career. That's exactly what I was going to Nirvana, say. Nirvana still ends at In Utero. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I know I know I made the case for In Utero, like perhaps them trying to go even like sell, you know, 50 million albums instead of Nevermind's 30. But I can't see where they would go for album four. Like. If they decided we're going to go back to the pop stuff, well, then it looks like, oh, in utero didn't do as well as you thought, right? right? So that, so like that, I said, that they, doesn't even seem sincere. Yeah, so they set themselves where they kind of box themselves into a corner almost. I mean, where, yeah, where they, yeah, because yeah, again, you got the this different fan bases that were kind of backing this band. Yeah. And they blew up huge. I mean, for a band, like, I, again, just going back to the beginning of our discussion, I mean, for a band that was playing. Yeah, like laundromats or whatever, and going yeah within eighteen months to playing <laughs> yeah in a headlining arenas. I don't know. Like, there's such a weird, there's such a difficult band to categorize because each of those albums are a moment, and the three albums kind of almost solidify what they were about. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you're right, Mario. Maybe you couldn't. I couldn't have seen them do a because uh, again, those albums are such so hooked into that moment in time too, as far as socially. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That you, yeah, you've got. Yeah, like it's almost like watching Kurt emotionally respond at different points. You've got the first album, which is him kind of in his kind of, yeah, kind of in the underground element. Then you have the massive album, and then you have the rebelling against the massive album. And then again, you're kind of again you're back to yourself. Okay, what can you do an album for? I don't know if he could have. I think like the three albums kind of are yeah like yeah where you've got bookends. I don't know. You got Bleach, mm-hmm. and then you've got in Utero is the yeah is the last yeah kind of. Yeah, the, yeah, like the, the exclamation point on the end of that. There's a famous <laughs> quote about Nirvana that uh, I think it's from one of the members of the band that said something along the lines of Nirvana wasn't was against the mainstream and then the mainstream became Nirvana. And at that point, you could say that, well, maybe they just didn't want to be anything anymore. They didn't want to be Nirvana right. if everybody had become Nirvana in the mainstream. Um, this question goes out to Alex as a Foo Fighter fan. Do you see mm. that as, do you see the uh, Dave Grohl's output as a continuation of Nirvana? Do you, would you have wanted to hear a Nirvana take on a Foo Fighter or a more collaborative writing approach? Yeah, well, if you listen to that first Foo Fighters record, which Dave did pretty much entirely himself, he played everything outside of one guitar track on one song, 
And if you, it, it's been kind of cool revisiting the Nirvana discography because you listen to some of the songs off the first Foo Fighters record, which Dave actually recorded at, uh, what was the studio? Robert Lang Studios, which I put a song in the chat, which is actually the final Nirvana song ever recorded. Um, so it, it kind of ties in, but um, you know, you, you can right. hear some, you know, you're right. Yeah. So that, if you listen to that, you almost can kind of see where the fourth record would have gone. And they ended up going to the small little studio in Seattle to record it with, I think, this guy, Adam Casper. I don't know how huge he was, but you know, maybe they were trying to take things back into their own hands a little bit, or I, I don't know. It, it's really interesting because yeah, it's like the three records really do show everything. And I feel like that last record, like I said, is like the ultimate Nirvana record and it kind of bookends everything. Cause it kind of goes back to the rough kind right. of weird sound, but also it still captures some of the pop that they had. Uh, I, I guess one thing I wish I would have seen, cause even though Kurt and those guys really wanted to go to Steve Albini, it sounded like they wanted to go to him from the very beginning. It almost sounds like Kurt was never a hundred percent happy with a Nirvana record, like sonically, like there was always something about it. If it was too polished or not mm -hmm. polished enough. And that's something I'd be curious, like I, what, what, what's his, his favorite record? Would there ever be a record that he was a hundred percent satisfied with? Mm -hmm. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. And if you listen to it, um, you know, you're right. It's it's almost back into the like never mind simplicity, but a little with a little bit of the in utero darkness to it, which would have been cool. Um, and the production is a little rawer. But if anything, you listen to that song, and it's like you could see where a lot of those, like you said, like those seethers and those shine downs and those right. bands. Post like, I feel like that, that post grunge, <laughs> though the post grunge. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. the Q one hundred one alternative stuff, like. Uh. You can, it almost seems like they all kind of base their bands off of, you know, you're right. Like you hear the chorus and it's like, I've heard this in other songs that came out in like the late nineties, early two yeah. thousands. Let's take a listen. So what, just yeah. right from the top. Well, yeah. And then you probably would want to get to the chorus. Uh, Cause that's kind of like the most popular part of the song, but I'll try to find, excuse me. I'll try to find a timestamp for you while you play it.
almost like a nice blend but it also i don't know how serious they took the production on that that might have just been kind of like in demo form and it was mm -hmm. just released you know posthumously so i don't know if i can judge it so much on that but yeah i mean where did his it would be interesting come from on that because that was way almost sound like he was trying to yarl a little yeah. bit and i don't recall a lot of that i mean it definitely sounds like kurt cobain but it just i don't know yeah dave said i guess in an interview he's like i he hadn't listened to that song in 10 years and then he listened to it and it's like, it almost doesn't sound like Kurt or Kurt singing. It sounds like he's kind of like wailing and it, it was just like a dark time for them when they recorded that. Cause like sometimes he was feeling well and sometimes he wasn't. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if it's like a, a great song to judge off, but, but anyway, to answer your question about the Foo Fighters, like it is interesting to hear some of those songs off the first Foo Fighters records. Cause it, it definitely sounds like, you know, uh, Dave was channeling his bleach on that, but he also had a lot of his like pop writing. Um, I, I love that record. The, the second Foo Fighters record is my favorite. And then, you know, you can argue later on in their career if they start to get, you know, cookie cutter, dad rock stuff, which I don't know. I don't mind. I, I love that band. <laughs> but yeah, it would have been interesting because, I mean, Dave was writing songs in Nirvana, and I think he presented some of them to Kurt. Like I know, um, "Alone in an Easy Target," which is on the first Foo Fighters record. I think he gave, he presented that to Dave. Or God, I'm getting all my names mixed up. Kurt, uh, but I don't think Kurt wanted to use it, but he liked it. And then there was a song called "Marigold," which is like an in utero B side that ended up getting played quite a bit in the Foo Fighters. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have would have would have been like hearing a fourth record because like it is like the discography is bookended so well. Mm -hmm. But it would have been cool to hear like this band do a, a, an album full of you know your rights because I feel like bands did that. They took that into the late '90s and early 2000s when Nirvana was long gone at that point, and it would have been interesting to hear like Nirvana be the first ones to do that. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Like a full album of it. Anyway. And, you know, they could have also gone ahead, Kurt, uh, you know, not committed suicide. They could have gone the GNR route, Guns N' Roses route, where, uh, you know, there just is no album for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put something out and it can True. never possibly yeah. live up to the hype. But it is an interesting, I guess, progression. And that kind of brings me into uh, my next discussion question, which is how much is Nirvana an overreaction band? to the late 80s scene or maybe even specifically Guns N' Roses who are frequently referenced in interviews with the band or does the music stand on its own? Is it timeless enough to where you can take it out of the early 90s and say this is still good and relevant and fresh? Only moments, I think. I don't know if you could take their whole, uh, uh, the whole discography or yeah, all three albums and transplanted i mean yeah, it's very w well done i mean as far as again just as far as pop music is concerned uh yeah whether it's tied to the scene i i don't know compared to other and and i'll throw uh, a comparison out there um you know and i heard a lot of this because i was at an exhibit where they were playing a lot of it for, for the band about pearl jam you could take pearl jam's music put it anywhere and it's going to be popular or it's going to be in you know pearl jam is more t much more timeless it stands on its yeah. own much more. Yeah, they're much, I, would, I would say Pearl Jam is much more of like a classic rock kind of. Like, well, they're yeah. more of a rock band than yeah, Nirvana. I mean, Nirvana always tried to be a punk 
uh, a punk band. But yeah, it's that's yeah, just coming into this discussion. It's so hard to to uh, to pigeonhole Nirvana because yeah, they were yeah yeah because the moment yeah it does influence uh, the impact. I mean. Uh, Maybe that's again. Yeah, it's yeah, it's where I can't compare them to any as far as how the, the, that specific moment in time. I can't compare them to anybody else as far as how much that influenced what happened to them. Right. Uh, yeah, because everybody else, I mean, what came before, like the '80s scene, was very much kind of yeah, it was a successful scene, but it wasn't. Uh, there wasn't the magnifier on it like there was with this with them and the like the couple bands that came out of Seattle. Uh, uh, and yeah, I mean, aside from disco, I can't think of yeah, a reaction against disco. something uh, yeah. that, like the, like the, like that happened in '91. I mean, to to what came before. Uh, you yeah. know what's funny about this whole thing? I don't mean to steal your thunder. No, first, go ahead. Yeah, I just I just don't get the Guns and Roses comparison. I get getting sick of bands like Firehouse. You know, as much as I enjoy those <laughs> records, yes, like it's it's totally Wuss. like cheesy, <laughs> polished. Yeah, it's it's on the wood side. You know, or or or, or you know, those you know, those late 80s yeah, paint by C numbers and D level. Pretty boy Floyd, exactly. Bang Tango, Slick Toxic. Yeah, like like I I get it. Like those are like terrible, right? But like Guns N' Roses, they always had a different edge day like if you listen to the use your illusion albums they're not they're not what you'd expect well they were that, that's for sure there's a lot of ballads there's a lot of piano stuff it's not like they're like this sleaze you know glammed up it's not like poison yeah, and, and they were constantly saying at least nirvana was saying well you know we want to be everything guns and roses and not because they're so corporate and it's just kind of a weird it, thing it's to never, pin the corporate yeah. label on because yes, they are corporate, and they were, you know, Geffen Records' biggest thing. But, but they were still doing their own thing. Yeah, yeah they so, had yeah. at least at least a bit of independence to them. Like it wasn't the most. It's, it's nowhere near the most corporate thing that you could imagine. I mean, uh, no, this is yeah. It's not a boy yeah. band here. We're not. This is I, not I, like I, Max I, Martin stuffing together stuffing together Backstreet, you know, whoever well, he did. I mean, you t talked to a lot of people that knew Kurt. I mean, I think there was a lot of conflict going on in between inside of him i mean there were people that said that he wanted to be a rock star but again i think mark you talked about it as far as that he wasn't ready to deal with the baggage that came along with that and then it's yeah so it's it's hard it's 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 a guess, roger waters somebody... quote it's it's i'm a socialist at heart but i really really wanted a bentley and now i could afford one right and so you get that conflict <laughs> like it's it's inevitable when you kind of come up with those views but then are given the world you, you right, turn it yeah. down or you don't or i yeah. mean it's yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah. At least, luckily, with Kurt, I mean, he wasn't as self-absorbed. I mean, he really there was nothing self-absorbing about Kurt. I mean, he, I think he was really trying not to do that. I think he was just trying to. Oh, he was anti that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, yeah, he's again. You got a guy who maybe that's what led him to sadly and early. Yeah, there was just too much conflict going inside. He was trying. Yeah. Too many yeah, contradictions going on at once, trying to embrace multiple things at one time, and it's just not working. Like, I want to be successful, but I don't want this. I want, yeah. Well, I mean, there's... I love this, but I love this, but I got to worry about that, and it's like, yeah, I... I'm out of my yeah, league on this, but um, yeah. there's... Yeah, maybe Alex can pick this thought up, uh, but, for example, um, Johnny Rotten had a was able to transition successfully to a, you know, a, a post punk you know punk cred career 
uh, with public, public image. image. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it, it, he, why didn't he go that route? Why wasn't that an option? Maybe Alex, you could throw uh, throw in just you know at least what punk bands are able to get that timelessness uh, in their discography rather than just being an in-the-moment reaction to whatever's going on socially or in the music scene? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And it's like, <laughs> you you mentioned with Nirvana and Nevermind how you don't necessarily think it was one of the greatest albums ever written, but the best-timed album mm-hmm. ever and and I almost think like Nirvana was the best timed band mm-hmm. possibly. Mm-hmm. And like you ask about if the music stands on its own. I mean, personally, I think so. But because I still like legitimately like a lot of the stuff and I can still get into it. And if anything, I actually appreciate the way the band ages even more now than I did because there's absolutely like no cheese or corniness to anything in this band. Like I watch uh, interviews and I watch. Oh, look, look at look at Mark's face. I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Honestly, I mean, yeah, you could say like, oh, Kurt would like complain and be depressed and stuff like that, and like, yeah, that's true, and that's how he is. But like. As far as from his, per- from his perspective, maybe. But that's just yeah. how he yeah. was. He was just like a depressing guy. And it's like, yeah, you could say like, oh, he's, you could call him like a whiner or a complainer or something like that. But no, I don't know. I feel I like wouldn't. there's other people that, that I think, oh, no, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying there's maybe people I could say that. But I don't know. Just like their aesthetic and their image. I just think they did everything Acor- really co- cool. Yeah, according, and, according to their own integrity and, and, or whatever you want yeah, to call it yeah. and to be honest to be honest, i don't know yeah. to be honest i don't know how much of it it is um like not growing up with this band but kind of having it like forced on me uh like later on in life and the fact that they were were around for such a short time they didn't really have a chance to screw it up like they went out it's like a mystery it's like the band put out three records they changed the genre like and then they, they were, were all super cool. <laughs> Their interviews were really cool and like genuine and kind of different from I feel like other interviews at the time. Mm-hmm. Like they were very much a band that didn't care and didn't like pl- at least played it off like they didn't care and they didn't want it and it was like all kind of like a big joke that they got big. And in a way like that's kind of cool in a way. I don't know. I feel like there's you could go the other route and be that becomes like, corny too confident too, and cock yeah. Well, okay, so that's know. an overreaction. Well, they didn't they, because they they didn't I feel like they didn't do it long enough where it could have been. The whole 80s scene was about how cocky you could be to take that David Lee Roth attitude and just the world yeah, is my always like we, everyone's seen decline of Western civilization. No, we are gonna yeah. make it. Like you, you came and saw yeah. us, you'd think the same thing too. You know, like that was the whole attitude. So I, that's to me where the Nirvana is more of an overreaction to that whole thing. Um, I mean, Kurt and, you know, I don't know what he really genuinely believed and he was probably just more, uh, you know, just more confused or, or conflicted than anything else. But, you know, his, his, uh, his feminism, his love of woman, I mean, was that authentic or was that just a reaction to how woman, woman's role in rock music for the last I'm 10 sure, years? I'm sure, which are basically yeah, I'm sure just that, that is. He grew up, it I mean, yeah, a, sure, I'm sure that had something no, to do with it, yeah, especially in such a that's visual a great, era. That's yeah. a great question, because it is kind of interesting, like, you look at him and what he stood for, and how he dressed, and how he played guitar and sang, and it's and what he sang about, and it's like, all right, is this guy, like, just incredibly smart, 
that he's literally doing the opposite of what is what is going on in guitar based music right now? Or does he is he genuinely like this and it just happened to fall at the perfect time mm-hmm. where it just kind of worked? That's an interesting question. Yeah. And, and you ask about like other punk bands that have kind of stood the test of time and that like keep going. And man, that's that's tough because there were so many bands that I mean, you could look at like a band like The Clash where like they didn't have that many records and they kind of maybe ended when they were like on top. So they didn't really have a chance to wear out their welcome and. There's a lot of bands that, you know, probably stumbled through the 80s, like before Nirvana was around <laughs> mm-hmm. to make punk popular. Yeah. And like, then all like, the like R.E.M. is a good example, I think, as far as that alternative. Well, yeah, kinda, but then yeah, there's like, yeah, the, the, yeah. like the Descendants. You can look at a band like the yeah. Descendants from, the, from Southern California, who are like the first pop punk band. And like, yeah, I think they were probably big in the punk scene in the 80s, but it wasn't until like Green Day and Blink-182 came out that people really started paying attention to how like influential this band mm-hmm. was. And it's like, well, from, you know, 80, I forgot when they started, maybe late 70s, early 80s, like they didn't really get huge until they reunited in like the mid 90s. And it's like, if it wasn't for punk and Nirvana, they might've just gotten forgotten about. Yeah. So it's like hard to know who like who would have aged well uh, yeah, and, the, and the thing and, and the thing with nirvana i mean they i mean kurt killed himself when they were still when the when the nuclear fallout was still i mean yeah so it's so we're uh, even now 30, almost 30 years after his death i mean we're still and even the public music public at large is still evaluating the music under that explosion it's still it's not like they burned themselves out or and that was the after 20 records or whatever it's like they were still in in the in the pocket, I mean, for lack of a better word, as far as just maintaining a success. That well, I here's a qu- it, yeah. Here's a question that I have then, and I don't know if you guys can like <laughs> objectively answer this question because, and maybe I'll target it more towards uh, Mark and Kev because you guys are, are like stats showing aren't the biggest Nirvana fans here <laughs> and aren't fans to make aren't, his point and, and, and yeah. aren't necessarily f- fans of. Like the, the genre in the '90s music and stuff like that, and and I've asked this question, and coming from somebody who loves this band, and I think I get why, but I kind of want to ask you guys, maybe from an outsider perspective, like anti '90s kind of punk grunge aside, like do you think it really was like the? Because I do wonder. It's like why was it this band like? Like I, I I listen to it now and it's great and you know people can over explain them and kind of force like why they were so good same reason where it's gonna I'm, I'm gonna bring up like a hairy topic here and I think maybe it's it's easier to answer this question because they were kind of the, one of the first ones <laughs> to really do it but you no look at the kiss. Beatles oh, okay <laughs> well you look at somebody like the Be- you look at somebody oh. like the Beatles and it's like I I, I know a lot them? of people that. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you look at bands like Herman's Hermits that I think were doing kind of stuff like they were doing before them, mm-hmm. and at least that's what I've heard. I, I might be totally wrong on that. Kind of and, and I do, yeah. I do like the Beatles. I do appreciate them, but there was a time, and and I've learned to appreciate them a little bit more over the years. But they're one of those bands where I would get annoyed by how over-explained they were, and like I would be in college, and there would be like sorority girls. And stuff like they're saying like, oh, I love the Beatles, my favorite band, and I'm like, <laughs> absolutely, like get the hell out of yeah, that's, here. That's, that's you can't. It's like that's, that's true, like yeah. you're. There's no way in hell that's true. It, it was almost like a default band to just be like, oh, I don't really like music, but uh, oh, I've, I've heard of the Beatles before. Oh uh, yeah, I like them. 
Oh yeah, that's my well, favorite band. And I and okay. like I wonder, yeah. did that in a way happen in Nirvana? Like, did the media make people believe they were as like was it the Maybe. media I mean, forced them more that. than they genuinely were? Like, so from a yeah. non fan perspective, what, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I don't so, know. I think that's. I I had kind of something prepared because I. I you know, I guess I'm glad you asked that because uh, I recently um, made a trip to a pilgrimage to Seattle, uh, <laughs> not Very for nice. this purpose, but uh, and uh, one of the, the uh, places I made, I made a point to uh, hit up in my trip there was the um, it's it used to be called the Experience Music Project or something, and now it's called just the MoPop, the Museum of Pop Culture, and of course they have a large uh, Nirvana exhibit. And I had to check that out, um, and I went through the Nirvana exhibit, and it was in an interesting perspective uh, based on you know, my exposure to the band over the last three weeks of doing these podcasts and listening to the whole discography. And there were a couple of points that were made that I was like, "That's there's no way. That is totally off base, um, and I can't believe that's in the museum here. But uh, there was one that was talking about uh, the various scenes that were all over on um, – in the, in the, in the Washington area. And they said, you know, Chicago had their own thing and New York had their own thing going and, and, uh, Nevada and, and Austin and Portland and Seattle, and they all had their own scenes that were, uh, you know, coming up and really any of them could have broken out, but it was this one band outside of, you know, the, the, on the coast of the Pacific, an hour away from Seattle that broke and that's the one that changed the industry and that started the training. You don't have to go to LA and follow that scene. You just have to, you can do your own scene and why this scene? And I thought that, you know what? First of all, like, I don't know what's going on in Chicago, New York, LA that was so, or outside of LA that was so special. Um, but this, I will say there was something here. Like there is a depth to the, this, there is something more that, you know, their, their level of success and a claim, I believe, is outsized to what they actually output, but there is something there. Well, yeah, there's strong enough material. I mean, yeah, yeah, intangible. yeah. yeah I mean, I think it's something yeah. like it's it's overboard. If you want to call it John Lennon level, or you want to call it, you know, you want to call Kurt the John Lennon of the '90s, like no way. And I'm not even a fan of John Lennon or Kurt Cobain, but like it, it, it's it's you know, there's no way it's even close. Like, but I can see the direction. I can see the potential. You know what I also think it is? Um, it's a story. Mm-hmm. Like, like the Beatles are such a story, mm-hmm. right? There's so much to talk about. There's so much to discuss. I mean, it's, it's like the Beatles as a band, if you don't even listen to the music, are a drama unto themselves. Well, yeah, there's so much. I mean, it's and just, I feel, yeah. I, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's very similar with Nirvana. Like all you, you could read the Wikipedia and go through album by album and not listen to a drop of the music and still be like, man, that was a really interesting story. And that's so it like it, it builds upon. Well, yeah, and that's yeah, another, another still, and there's so much mis- is, there's is, so much mystery left for Nirvana's yeah. story too, where you could still like controversial, like did he do it? Was it somebody else? Like, and the fact, and I think Foo Fighters' success has a lot to do with it too, to be honest, because it kept kind of Nirvana, I mean, not to say that Nirvana would have ever disappeared, but like Foo Fighters being the probably biggest rock band currently, and Dave, you know, being the drummer of Nirvana, it's like you can't ignore Nirvana. Like he's, he's, he's just as big or bigger than Nirvana was. And he was in that band. So you got to talk about him, but yeah, it, I I think that, yeah, you're right. The story plays a huge factor in it too. And 
And he was. I mean, yeah. he was even in his time. I mean, he was a lot. A lot of the music was cooked into who he was. I mean, you could even that. I mean, you, I think people started to get kind of uh, uh, started to form like an opinion as far as just watching him in interviews. Like, okay, there's something else going on with this guy. Yeah, it's not just like watching again, like what came before. Just watching a bunch of hair metal guys just kind of talking about how great they are, or whatever, or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, just yeah, where it's. Yeah, just here there was yeah you could see there was other mechanisms at work, and I don't know. I was going to ask Mark. I mean, do you do you think this was the most extreme reaction to a specific movement? Movement as far as the whole history of pop music and popular or just popular music in general, uh, as far as one thing happening and then totally destroying what came before it. Because even with what happened to disco, I don't think disco got hit as hard as like the 80s bands did i mean in retrospect i don't think it was as i don't, I don't think that it's as talked about as much as yeah like what happened okay. in the late well, 70s and early 80s maybe. Yeah. one thing if you look at modern yeah. times uh dubstep i guess maybe that was more of a natural progression rather than overreaction yeah. um i would say yeah. and this is probably going to be well outside of our audience's interests but uh mm. um the rise of screamo rap as opposed to mumble rap, possibly. Yeah. Like it's hard to say that something today. Yeah, but we're so delving into sub. Yeah, I mean, no, we're talking. About, we're talking. We're talking about like massive, like mainstream kind of uh, like musical. Uh, well, like, he, here's yeah. I, here's one question I have that like uh, obviously Nirvana changed music and kind of made punk big and changed the landscape and brought something fresh and made everybody focus on them and kind of away from what was going on for the last ten. 15 years but like while nirvana definitely had a thing and an image they weren't the most unique thing in the world like they what? punk punk had been going on right. like you you can say they're not like a straight up punk band but like you look at them and it's like this stuff had been going on in the underground for quite a long time so it's not like it was like aliens coming or something, it's, and it was like nobody's ever right. seen this right. anything. It's, These guys don't even look the same. It's like it's, it, it, it's almost like why again? It's like why? It's like yeah, I, I guess it was maybe from like like you said, it's like um, the cocky uh, womanizer right. scene of the eighties and like the Sunset Strip and the. Um, yeah. over excess where like yeah i could see where nirvana was kind of like the opposite of that but like if you knew about punk and stuff it's like well this is just kind of like another punk band so like why is it just getting big now well yeah i mean as far as if you're looking at what influenced them like if you want to talk about like uh like husker do or bands like that kind of a lot of those bands came out right before the 80s scene really kind of went overboard they was still kind of like in 83 80 45 it was still kind of yeah kind of this thing that was evolving and I think by the time Nirvana came out, I think that was the moment where things hit. But again, yeah, why were they the specific band to do it? I don't know. Well, uh, but it, yeah, I but yeah, but again, at that point, I think that was, and that's what I was trying to say. It was as far as the extreme reaction to what had happened and why Nirvana was the band. I'll yeah, give that, you an extreme, uh, I, I yeah. little, a few minutes to think about it. Um, it isn't a negative reaction as Nirvana was. I think it was a positive reaction or embrace. But I would say if you listen to the average pop slash rock album, let's say just something on the Billboard charts in 1983, and you listen to the same thing in 1986, it would be absolutely night and day with the advent of the synthesizer. 
and how you mm. listen to music pre-synthesizer and it's still very much stuck in that 70s velvet studio sound. And then you listen mm-hmm. to something in 86 and it's just glossy, big reverb. And tight, mm-hmm. kind of cold at times, just very yeah. thin. Yeah. Like and, even the, right. and, and even that kind of got, yeah, over, well, yeah, like, You, yeah, you know what's overdone. interesting <laughs> about this whole discussion, but we, you know, uh, some of us read that hair metal book that came out recently. Yeah. But what what the perspective was interesting is that, like, you're talking, they started talking about the beginning of the 80s. You know, obviously, you, you're going back to the start of Motley Crue, things like that, Van Halen. But how some of these guys were pressured at the time to be like, oh, you want to be a guitar player and make it big? You got to be in a new wave band. New wave is yeah. the new wave is the thing. New wave is the thing. And by the late '80s, like, is new wave still a <laughs> thing anymore? And then you're getting to Nirvana in the '90s, and it's like, well, what happened to that? You know. So it's like it's interesting the way all these things commingle. And for a while, it was thought like even that guitar was on the way out, on the yeah. downswing, on the even even into the mid even '80s. Eddie, it's yeah. like all. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're on the mid, and then Bon Jovi blows up with Slippery and Wet, things like that, where like, oh, maybe there is a harder sound, and, you know, I, I know Motley Crue was doing their thing too, but just like in terms of a pop rock, it's like, it's it's weird the way these, these some we forget some of these other things that were, were going on at the same time. Uh, going back to Alex and why this band, I, I think you're talking about some of the punk stuff previously, but... Maybe here was a, a band that was just a little, like, just open enough to be pop. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Uh, uh. Like, they, they just, the door is just, like, you can just get that foot in the door just enough of the pop. Right. And, like, maybe... Because if they would have made... They had a- that... Yeah, because okay, no, no other thing. punk band. No, because if they yeah. would have if they would have took the punk route and made an album full of territorial pissings... <laughs> Even right. though that's like, even though that is <laughs> kind of like a simple core. three yeah. chord yeah. song, it's like they couldn't have survived on a whole album of that. Like, it's cool that they put that on their biggest record, and I love it. But you could tell the difference between that and a song like Lithium, where it's definitely a little slower and more thought out and simpler songwriting, but still has the heavy energy. So, yeah. Here's something that yeah. I think matters a ton that nobody will really talk about, and ser- no serious fan will ever really bring this up. Um, and I, I will say this just as uh, four good-looking guys in a row here. Just, uh, uh, you know, so come follow <laughs> okay. us on Twitch uh, so you can see what we actually look like. Um, All right. But uh, they were a good-looking band. No, that, that plays a huge factor. Yeah, brought they, they the ladies bring to the show. in the ladies. They could, and especially coming out of hair metal where, you know, I could see it from the perspective, like, I don't really get third wave feminism in the 90s unless you think about it in the context of the 80s and basically you know women being video vixens and just kind of seen a certain way throughout the whole scene and now here's this band that is you know come as you are and you know you know phony or not he's you know constantly talking about that in the media and where everything guns and roses isn't and all that and i could see the appeal that's kind of a unique appeal at that moment in time you know allison chains isn't talking about that like eddie vetter isn't talking about that <laughs> but mm-hmm. kurt cobain is kurt cobain's a good looking dude you can put him on a pinup you know he's he kind of you know is, is throwing out these opinions that you haven't heard in 10 years maybe in the mainstream so so Right, yeah. So maybe more people pay attention to it. You know, it's funny you bring that out, Mark. I remember watching one of those VH1 kind of music history things, and there was somebody who talked about that as far as Kurt had that, 
yeah, kind of that pinup look where he was like a, even though he didn't come from that, that he mm-hmm. had that, especially when they became, he, he, he was very photo, photogenic. Yeah. Um, uh, even more than I think anybody else in that scene. Uh, yeah, again, there's, I mean, we've talked about it. There are many, uh, when it comes to entertainment, it's a complicated machine where many factors uh, influence how, where you go uh, and how high you go. Uh, and Nirvana was one of those unique examples where all these weird elements just came together at the, mm-hmm. and, and there, I, you can't explain it. Like I said, I even sitting here trying to explain it. I don't know why. And that's the, and that's the mystery of popular music. It's, or just, it's or, hard or, to explain. Or, 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 even, like, or, or, or yeah. even entertainment in general. I mean, yeah, that's, we've seen it. Like why, well, why did this? Okay. Let's go through had, it. Let's yeah, go through why it. Why did these well, guys? Yeah. Well, one other, one other thing I was going to mention too, and, um, I'm a huge fan of this band, uh, possibly Chris's too. Um, and obvi- they did have huge success in the nineties. So it's not like they were ignored, but I look at a band like the smashing pumpkins mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, they were, they had a really successful first record in Gish that would have came out a couple months before Nirvana, nevermind. And if you think about it, I feel like there's more to grab onto with that band. I mean, you could say they were doing the kind of classic rock seventies psychedelic thing, but also, but, but also doing like a cure kind of, um, gothy synthy thing at times. Right. Um, especially like once they get into like a door and melancholy and stuff like that. And melancholy was a huge record for them, but then it's like, well, I don't know if they ever had quite the impact that Nirvana had. And Nirvana only had three records and Pumpkins are still going. And Pumpkins, I mean, I think it's objective. They're much more talented musicians mm-hmm. than those guys. And right. their songs, their songs have more dynamic and more diversity I, 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 and stuff right. to it. And I'm like, well, why? I mean, they did get big and they did have one of the biggest records of the 90s. But like... Again, it's it, that it's again it, it's that it's that weird uh, unexplained thing. It's just that moment. Like there were a lot of bands of pumpkins, yeah, Pearl Jam that all had great, but there was just for whatever reason it was like that one split microsecond. Well, yeah. I, I think I think yeah. it's because the pumpkins kind of kept. I, I think maybe maybe there was almost a little too much comp. Uh, you know, maybe it was a little too nerdy in in the pumpkins. Where like I don't know if they ever went full on prog. But it, I think the simplicity of Nirvana helped a lot. Well, and yeah. Maybe that, maybe that you could tie that into like the, like you were saying, like the um, caveman kind of like dumbing it down, like oh, this is simple and easy to digest, <laughs> and like you could, you could, well, criticize, it's, you could it's, all, it's also you shiny, could, yeah. You could criticize it for that, but it worked. And then you get into the pumpkin, and it's pumpkin, and it's like, well, to me, like it's way more intelligent and probably fun to listen to at length. But maybe it was too much where it was it, it alienated some people. And, and the, the fact that yeah. the pumpkins kept going where they definitely had times where they probably put out like poor records. It's like, well, they kind of maybe had a chance to ruin it for a little bit. You can argue, you know, yeah. if they ruined it or not. But like, I don't know, the pump, the Nirvana was around for a short period of time. And outside of maybe Bleach, it's like they didn't really ruin it, and then they went out before they had a chance to ruin it, and I think that's a huge part, too. Let's just, for some context, let's compare it. Can we come to a consensus opinion on why Van Halen was big? Because of Eddie's guitar playing and Dave's charisma, right? Like, isn't that it? I think it's obvious. Uh, Metallica, why were they big? Because they were, like, the first to do it, really, I would say. Kind of, kind of. I mean, they they took the new album, but like they definitely, I don't know. I think we're like the first ones to really make it super fast yeah, and American like and a little bit more music, metallic. Really, like that, 
Yeah, I think uh, so. Pink Floyd. Maybe. Like they are the ultimate introspective psychological psychedelic band from top to bottom. That's why they're big, right? Like it, it would be great. Queen, why are they oh. big? Freddie Mercury and you know their operatic songwriting. Right? Maybe a touch of Brian May in there. Yeah, it was something different. And I you, mean, and yeah. you could even you you and in as much as like you I can think maybe, Queen's big is the their diversity too mm-hmm. that like a hit throughout every album and you had freddie like, too um, i mean he let, let, let's be honest <laughs> yeah. he had that I, we probably talked about it but yeah he had that kind of like what like what bruce dinkinson and maiden i mean well maybe not uh maybe i wouldn't freddie's a little bit more than that but yeah where you've got these guys who kind of elevate everything around them and kind of pr- yeah. bring you in yeah i don't think there were a lot it, of it, and, that, and that's an art in itself i mean they're being a front man and maybe kurt in a certain way had that amongst his scene yeah yeah so, and i think it's yeah. obvious with i think it's obvious with the beatles too it's like you could yeah. say what you want about them but like nobody was doing stuff especially when it came to like studio recording techniques and stuff like that it's like you could tell why they got big too okay the police and it's like why are they big the creativity uh, of of uh and, and Sting's uh, youthful or good looks. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Police might be a little tougher. They're a pretty consistent. Well, again, band. police are. And they I, were right I, at the beginning I, of the like they the burn era. fast. Burn fast. Again, a band that yeah. didn't maybe overstay their welcome. Yeah. And Nirvana. And yeah. and well, go ahead. No, and I was gonna say maybe just kind of incorporating some of the ska into the punk. Like maybe there was other bands that were doing that, like English Beat and The Clash and stuff like that. Like maybe the police weren't the first to do it. But um, I don't know how popular that was, and maybe they made that huge. I mean, obviously, ska and like the specials and Bob Marley and reggae were huge, but it's like to bring it into that kind of like British 80s synthy with a little bit of punk, I, they, they kind of mainstream that. Okay, so, and the consensus opinion on Nirvana, besides Kurt Cobain being Kurt Cobain, with the consensus opinion on Nirvana, why are they huge being just because? That's the answer. The answer is like that there a, is no it, it was a weird. It was, it, and that's just, it's just a, something it's different. A, it's about a weird them. existential moment. Yeah, I mean, we're whatever for whatever reason. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that record had enough difference, uh, but with a pop sensibility that it. Yeah, like I said, there was like a yeah. We were looking for that overreactive moment, and that was it. You know what's I, funny I, about this whole discussion? Yeah, I wish I'd be hopeful. Hopefully, people are following. I know we're kind of like all, but it's it's, no, it's hard. It's very say, difficult. To, I, yeah. I, I almost think Nirvana was more impactful outside of the music. Yeah, I could like, say he was a personality. Like yeah, he, he's like he he yeah he's this. It was yeah. it was it was the culture, and honestly, like I kind of spent a lot of time um, watching interviews of the band and. You could say it's corny or what, but I don't really, I mean, maybe outside of like the punk attitude of like the late seventies and stuff where if anything, it was more like F you were rebelling, we're charged up and we're going to do what we want. There was still like an anger and an energy with it. I don't really know of a band and you could, you could criticize this, but maybe it was unique for the time for a, for a band that like didn't care I feel like they were like the first biggest band that put on that like the lazy stoner like I don't care and it's like yeah I, I, I it's it's cool to not care like they were the to first band like to, to 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 make it cool to not care to act you know, like they I, don't care because they cared so much that they would be very critical of their own albums right right you know it's funny I, there, there was a yeah. point I was and I just remembered it something I was thinking about earlier that they were one of the first like like 
like staunch outsider bands that knocked like the like the the typical mainstream off the pedestal yeah like the like the, the, the like the, like the the people that were in the club they were the first outsiders they broke into the club and pushed everybody out yeah for yeah i mean who who can you think of from that going from there to there that did that in, in that extreme kind of way i mean i don't i can't think of any mm-hmm. uh, of any band who yeah i mean they were like the defi- they were probably the biggest outsider band yeah that's ever reached that level of success mm-hmm. yeah yeah let's let's bring on another question um, and maybe this will just be our, our final uh, bit about maybe more specific to Kurt Cobain, and, and we'll try to keep it more toward the band following this. But how well does the legacy of Kurt and or the band outside of the music, how well does that age? Because Alex threw it out there that it's not cheesy. I think it kind of is at points. How well has his legacy aged? And to a certain point, I think you can't argue that it has aged because it still exists and we're still talking about it. But how well has it aged? Uh, well, here, here's yeah, here's, no, here's yeah. what I'll say about that. And <laughs> maybe this is just like my immediate peers and like the kind of music scene and like the bands that, uh, you know, I play with and associate and stuff like that kind of more in like the punk scene. And, and I don't want to say it's like a, uh, I don't know, it could be a millennial millennial thing and I don't want to like generalize cause I'm sure there's a lot of people that, um, don't act this way, but I don't know, just like being on the internet and stuff, I've noticed almost like a trend with people where it's again, it's that it's cool to not care kind of a thing and i I, and i and i see that and i see bands that like do that and don't try too hard and and actually this just made me think of another point that i'll bring up where i was talking about the pumpkins but like i see that around like people and i'm sure i've talked to kevin about this and stuff where like there's this thing where it's like you don't want to try too hard and you want to act like you don't care, but you're a good band and somehow it works out for you and stuff. And it's like sometimes I get annoyed with that, but sometimes I kind of see the like intrigue to it and I see it even today. And that's where it's like, well, maybe it does age well because like people are still doing it and I'm like used to it. Um, and the other thing I was I was going to say about the pumpkins is I was listening to this interview. You guys can watch it where um Billy gets interviewed by Lars from Metallica. It's a, it's on an Apple. Uh, uh, oh yeah, Apple it's, yeah. The, the, it's, the, it's electric. Yeah, I've, I've watched that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's black black and white interview, and Billy's talking about in the early '90s where, the, you know, they come from Chicago, which is like a blue collar. You got to bust your ass to make it. And it's kind of really hard to be a band from the Midwest because it, and, and it's true today too. Like if you're a coastal band, it's so much easier because there, there's so many more major cities. It's really quick to get show, to these. Yeah, run yeah you can run a show where you, if you're in the Midwest, you got a lot of room, to, a lot of ground to cover to get out to the coast and conquer those territories. So anyway, Billy's talking about um, in the early '90s, he would get criticized for caring too much. Like he would go to New York. And, and like reviewers and stuff would be like, oh, you guys care too much. Like it, it's kind of corny. Like you guys are trying too hard. And Billy's like, F you, do you know what I'm coming from? And like what I <laughs> don't want to go back to. And it's the, and maybe that kind of in a way backs up my point with the Nirvana thing where like 
they kind of didn't care and it just kind of happened and there was a cool factor to that where a band that does really care like the pumpkins and maybe gets a little nerdy kind of gets I mean, they're still big, but is music you know I mean? is music better off for that or not? Yeah. I don't. I don't well. think it's authentic. I don't <laughs> think it it's it, authentic at all. Like you cannot get to that level and not care. Um, I've even read articles. I mean, it's very trendy in uh, music today, popular music, you know, rap, to just you know act like you don't care. I mean, the whole little pump thing where it's just you know I'm a I'm a Harvard dropout. Like I can't even like I, I have a million dollars. I don't even know how to read. This too. And yeah, and and something like I was reading a um, this was after the arrest of the rapper Six Nine, <laughs> and uh, is you know oh, yeah. he, and he's just basically kind of like the you know most uh, for for anybody who doesn't know, it's like the most tattooed, you know, vulgar, just obnoxious personality, um, you know, to come across music, um, you know, for for the last couple of years, and, it, and that that says a lot just based on you know where music is, I suppose, and. It was a New York Times article about his career and how much stock he put into publicly posting, you know, I wrote this song in five minutes and it's a billboard hit. You know, I had no budget and we just threw this music video together and it has 300 million views. Like he put so much effort into that public persona, but he was like, you know, he, he was actually in the studio rewriting and rewriting and just going over verses and what sounded good and what felt yeah, the good. Real, yeah, the reality con- was actually a lot more involved. It was completely involved, yeah. different from the public yeah. persona. And if that's true there with the most obnoxious, vulgar, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, rapper to, to, you know, come across the the mainstream consciousness in maybe, you know, a long time ver- you know, and, and, and you're gonna tell me like, Oh, Nirvana, like, yeah, they really didn't care, you know, but they, they spent I, I, tons I, I, of time I, remixing these albums. And yeah, I, I think I should say, I think I should back. What I meant to say is if you watch their interviews, the way they conducted themselves, yeah, the, their public persona or whatever, their public persona, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, I think, think that's they, what, I think yeah. they really did care when it came to songwriting and they were smart about like, you know, fitting in and doing something different for the time so i'm not going to say they didn't care there but it's like i don't know there's and and you look at people like chris actually where chris would talk a lot in interviews and like this is a really well-spoken intellectual guy yeah and i think they all were and yeah and i think chris took a lot and i and i think and i think chris took a lot of um a lot of questions and interviews um because maybe like kurt didn't really feel like talking and i and i feel like dave at first really just wanted to be the guy that just played the songs and didn't want to step on anybody's toes. And eventually he got, you know, more outspoken as the years went on. But like, I don't know, I feel like you can go, you can easily see an interview between Kurt Cobain and like a Billy Corrigan. And you could just tell like both guys are like intellectually, like on a different level. Right. I, I don't I know think. That, that Kurt, I mean, I, I haven't read a ton of interviews, but I did read and that's more just my Kurt, fair share interesting. for this, 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 this discography and I, you know, I read the famous Rolling Stone one where he, uh, you know, talks about politics and the state of the world today. And just kind of my general impression was that he wanted to appear a certain way about it. One, and perhaps that's a, a reaction to the eighties. Like, I don't care about politics. I just want to party. I just want to fight and just, you know, 
screw around and like do what I like. And, and Kurt said, just trying to, you know, he was talking about Bill Clinton coming in an office and like, it, it just does, that doesn't age well because like, you know, to me, like Bill Clinton didn't age well, I suppose. And like, it just like, like to me, like that's like a very mainstream thing. Like, Oh, just let's not, you know, I don't want to get into politics, because, but like, it just, it just yeah. gets very, it doesn't age well because it just, I don't know. I would expect from somebody who is, trying to be on that level to pull like, well, you know, I'm not really, I like what I'm really into is this weird, you know, party politician that you've never heard of. Kind of like that more hipster. Maybe no, that's I because know I grew up mean. in that kind of thing where you know, the hipster yeah. attitude of you've never heard them. And if they're, if, if you've heard of them, then they're too big for me. And you know, that to me is kind of what he almost seemed to want to be, but then it kind of always came across as very generic. No, I know what you mean. And, and it's almost like the, you could kind of say the same thing about like green day or on the American idiot era it's like like f bush like that's what okay. everyone yeah. was saying that ben. <laughs> like <laughs> it's kind of what everybody was like f yeah. trump it's like okay yeah but uh, okay where are you gonna go with that, with that yeah and, and, <laughs> and i remember like my, my favorite band alkaline trio from chicago like i think they got asked like why they were never a political band and i think i'm kind of paraphrasing but the singer matt was like well, it, we just never felt like we needed to be because what? Oh, we could say like, oh, Nazis are bad or, you know, F skinheads and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, duh, like, of course, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, let me say, let me, let me touch on another topic that like has a little bit more depth. And that's where they talk like a lot more about um, like personal loss and relationships well, and yeah, stuff it's, like it's, that, which isn't the most unique thing in the world. But, but you're it's talking about human, human experiences versus politics. I think that was who was that? Alice Cooper, I think, was the one that I heard say like that the, uh, the politics don't belong in as far as or musicians getting or speaking and speaking about politics. That that's yeah, they should have no business doing that because it all it does is divide. It gets and rough. The, like it, yeah, whenever they start doing that, as entertainers is to bring people together and to maybe pe- make people. I don't know. Think. In a more, I don't know, yeah, uh, yeah, in a more, I don't know, kind of positive or, well, uh, or, a, or more, or thinking a more constructive, yeah, that's yeah, the word well, I'm looking for, like versus, versus, yeah, versus, yeah, a very political band, yeah. um, but maybe even if you don't like, uh, you don't know, leave off the final cut, but I mean, it's not um, abrasive, right? I suppose. Well, I think, yeah, it's so it was introspective very, it, it, and it, it, personal. Exactly, and it's buried under a lot of imagery too. So I think, and you can interpret it too, too in certain ways. Where I mean, you have uh, bands like how I guess you could say like Neil Young later in his career, where you got very overtly political, where you can read like, okay, that's you know what he's talking about, or American Idiot from mm-hmm. uh, uh, or uh, from Green Day, where it's like uh, sometimes yeah, it's good to uh, to maybe not be so kind of, but but again, they're that's what they do. I mean, they're more of a political band, or their job is to be overt and to be kind of blunt and to the point. Wouldn't people argue uh, that yeah. "rape me" is at least um, ironic enough to age well? I suppose that yeah, it's a masterpiece yeah, it's, it's, in doing that without being so blunt, or being blunt yeah. in a way that is inverse of what you think it might be. I don't know. I think the mu- well, yeah, the music makes it uh, makes it more aware as far as needing to be analyzed maybe a little bit more yeah we're i mean if it was a heavy song i don't think it would have worked as well i think it needed to i'm gonna put it i'm gonna put it this yeah. way it's really hard i really struggle with this and maybe this is why i've been silent recently yeah. of putting this into context in 2020 One, almost 2022 yeah. here because everything comes off as so not genuine to me now 
It just seems like when well, you've been exposed like, to like, the new extreme this. of extreme on the internet, the mayhem. Yeah, it and just everything. seems like I don't know. Whenever you see a band that's taking a stand or something, you're doing this to appeal to that group of people. You're doing this to yeah, appeal well, to right, this right, group right, of people. Does, it, doing it, it this. It's just yeah, like it, oh, whatever. You just appeal into this. It just seems like a marketing. Yeah, it doesn't feel authentic now, or, or like towing the line because you have to, or just taking a stand right. because it's cool to take a stand. And that's why it's hard to evaluate this stuff now for me because now i just see it all and i'm just like yeah don't and that's care. the thing yeah, yeah. Like, and i hate to go back to alex's i don't care but no i genuinely don't <laughs> no, care no no i get music. that and and that's the problem with getting it and I, i'm the same way like i didn't grow up with this band so i i could see your point it's like you kind of just got into this band i, I shouldn't say got into but like dug into you know dug into like within the last month so it's easy to see all these post nirvana wannabe bands take that ideology and run it into the ground and make it old and annoying where it's like well that's not nirvana's fault like they they were the first ones to kind of in a way do that (laughs) so like yeah i get that that that's like annoying yeah it's just hard to evaluate i wish i could even in the like sure even in the time (laughs) too like francis farmer will have a revenge on seattle like kind of an interesting story to bring to the forefront but ultimately I, i believe it was uh said about this song, but I just, Kurt said something, I just want to expose people to the evils of bureaucracy and how evil bureaucracy is. And that's kind of to Alex's point where it's like, you know, Nazi punks F off. Like it's just like, okay, like who's out there supporting bureaucracy? Like, I, like that's just the most generic form. Yeah, well, it, well, doesn't it feels age like they're trying all. to, they're trying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. But like Scentless Apprentice to me, which is the song I take away from the Nirvana discography has this, weird just just being about such a bizarre topic i like that one a lot like it actually that was one that probably that, stuck stuck with me the most well yeah because yeah that's not tied to the specific scene that was just like a book that he was and it was like a story he thought would be cool to interpret in well, but and if you wanted to make yeah. a topic like that political i would buy that a lot more like if you just yeah, want to make true. it very subtle well, about here, you know working and, conditions or something like oh that's the thing. i get that Instead of just being total in your face, well, I, I think here, I don't think Nirvana was as yeah in uh, in everyone's face, yeah, like socially. I mean, as some of the other bands. I mean, like unfortunately, Pearl Jam really got into it later on. Um, but uh, well, here's uh, the thing, yeah. and and I think I think I'm really hitting, and and I kind of knew this, and I didn't want to say this because <laughs> it's kind of like it's criticizing the band and the people that maybe like the band and stuff like that. Um, but I really think it's because of how simple it was, where they could appeal to a lot more. I don't want to say dumber people. Just speaking, not a layman. But, yes, getting, yeah. but like for lack of no, <laughs> like finally a band for more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys were waiting for that one. But like, that, honestly, like the more, the more I like think about it, it's like. You look at a band like Rush or like Jethro Tull or like, why did those bands not get big? Because they're freaking nerdy as hell. And it's like, the there, there's like, there's not that many nerds. There's more probably simple minded, dumb people than there are nerds. Oh, not so today. more people are gonna, yeah. more people are gonna like this. That's why, Mark, you appreciate a, a deep cut, weird off song I'm like a Francis Farmer. But you know what? No, I don't listen to Firehouse. No. No, but I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I think maybe that's why, like, again, where I got into the Smashing Pumpkins thing, like, maybe it was a little too highbrow where, like, 
they have a really dedicated <laughs> cult fan base where if you like that stuff, you love it and you hate anything that's not it. But there's less of you than there are Nirvana fans. And I think Nirvana just had a wider net. And and I won't diss them entirely, too, because maybe they were really smart about it. And I do think they made it simple enough. Like they took like a song like Rate Me where they you know they catch you with such a controversial title mm-hmm. like that. It's like you, you see what a song that like be? that. And it's like I it's like I gotta go listen to that. Oh, it's a catchy song. It's gonna keep me around to listen to it more. Oh, now I'm gonna go dive into the lyrics. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna dive into this band a little bit more and, and check out interviews. So in a way, that's smart. Yeah. And they stuck with what they knew, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with sticking to yeah. your strengths. Right. Um, it's, it's, and absolutely. there's something that you know came up uh, when I was touring uh, the Nirvana exhibit. And um, one of the weaknesses of the exhibit was that it really tended to puff up the band far too much. And I think that's just kind of a habit of critics of the band. But there was something that bothered me when you walked in and you saw the first intro, you know, describing what Nirvana is to anybody on this planet that doesn't know, I don't know, maybe tourists from Asia, like what, like, but they, they put that there and they said, um, you know, Nirvana kickstarted the whole Seattle scene. And then all of a sudden Pearl Jam and Alice, uh, Allison, Allison Chains and Soundgarden followed. And I thought, hang on a second. Allison Chains had a hit two years before, almost a year, a year before. Yeah, and, uh, and Soundgarden, the yeah, their first album, yeah, and, and Sound, Soundgarden's first record, I think, came out in 80, uh, 88, I think, And even Flow was a hit before Nevermind was. So that yeah, was... because I think it came out in the summer, yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. yeah, yeah, like, way off. Like, people are, you know, crediting Nirvana for... Bending the truth. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, Rewriting that's, history, that's, like, without, chronological yeah, order <laughs> matters here. Without getting people all up in, yeah, I mean, that's what the media does. Well, I, I mean, think, yeah. you know what? It's because it's become like this Beatles-like mystique. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not the Beatles did it or not is attributed yeah. to them with anything almost. It's got to come know, top down. John Lennon was the first one to even like, you know, bash a rock against another rock, you know, invented music <laughs> kind right. of stuff. And now it's like Nirvana, no matter who had the, a hit first, you know, suddenly they were the one to explode yeah, the scene even right. if other bands were big. Finding it. And then there was a question asked at the end. It was one of those, you know, TV interviews that are just kind of in the display on the background. And it said a question, the world has been waiting 20 years for another Nirvana. When are we going to get another Nirvana? That's, and so my question is, is yeah. is that possible? Do we want another I, Nirvana? Do we need another Nirvana? Or, or not, I, or not, I, I'll, think, I'll, I'll tell I you think, this much. I wanted to get into this. No, I think people mean, I think, I think, I think, I think, and I think you guys might know this as well. I don't, when people ask that question or want that, I don't think they're talking musically I think they're talking a band so big that's going to just change it's gonna music. Shift, it's going to shift it's, the... Uh, it's, and yeah. it's just going to change, you know, like, you know, the demographic. The paradigm. <laughs> the paradigm. That, I think oh, that's you what know people what? mean. It happens... I was going to say this when we were talking about Nirvana, why this band, and it just because, and the right timing, and like, who knows why. This stuff happens in music all the time now. One person puts a video out there yeah. that blows up, and suddenly they're the biggest thing in yeah, the world. Especially. Why did Billie Eilish get big? 
writing songs with her brother in the house and suddenly, you know, she's everywhere yeah, and on the Everyone pictures and like of her. magazines. Everyone wants to be like Billie Eilish and like, you're like, oh, wait, that I, sounds kind of like Nirvana. Okay. I, no, it's not rock. So I'm sorry, rock is, you know, you go listen, listen to our state of rock music podcast. <laughs> but, I've got um, another example. You know, it's like it's happening yeah, all the I've time. I've got another now. example. Um, everyone's going to laugh at this one. Chief Keef. <laughs> Chief Keith from the Chicago drill scene. (laughs) Boy, he blew up with Love Sosa and pretty much put Chicago drill on the mainstream map to the point where of Montreal is using drill hi hats in their music. And like Nirvana, it was the attitude mainstreaming that, you know, what would you call it? An underground Tra- attitude, yeah. Yeah, that, that underground, like, gangbanger. Is he for real? Like, what does he really edges, believe? Yeah. Like, that kind of or thing. Plus, edges. like, honestly, the lack of talent. Let's be honest. Chief Keef is probably the <laughs> least talented drill rapper that there is. He's bad. Like, he's objectively bad. And <laughs> I can think you can make a lot. I mean, we made the argument several times that Kurt Cobain, not good. He's good at screaming. He's good at singing with pain. He's not really good at playing the guitar, but that didn't matter because it was the attitude that mattered. So I, I would support Kevin's yeah. point. I didn't think about Billy Eilish, but you will see a lot of Nirvanas, but they're just happy. At a, there will never be another Nirvana because just there isn't that mainstream push of music, but the Nirvana, there was, yeah. uh, I guess, movement happens at a micro level throughout like subgenres. I think now that it just takes that one video yeah. and then that just turns everything on its head. Yeah. Yeah, the, the culture has changed, I think, too much for, yeah, I mean, especially with rock music. I mean, we talked about that. In the, well, rock music can't rock get idea. another Nirvana. Like, there was no, only one Nirvana. Yeah, rock, rock, yeah. rock music can't get its head out of its yeah, it's, so, it's, I mean, that's never going to happen anymore. Yeah, that was, that was like Nirvana the, at the signed tail. by Frontier Records. Right, yeah. I mean, that was right at the tail end. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Well, the question: What would Nirvana be on Frontiers right now if they were still? If they never, that, uh, that, that, the, yeah. the toilet paper it would music be the, video back. No, that <laughs> first album in twenty years with none of the original members. No, that that is honestly a question. The drummer that from gets, Bleach. That that, that that is a question that gets asked a lot. Like, what would Nirvana be like if they were still around today? Like, what would Kurt be like? And, like, you could say, ask the same thing about all the greats that passed away too early. Like, imagine if Jimi Hendrix would still be around. Would he be like a buddy guy just playing at right. Legends in Chicago every weekend? <laughs> 50 bucks a ticket playing old blues numbers? It's like, it's, it's that's interesting. The, that's, okay, that's who the thing, got they, that big yeah. but ended yeah. up that's, I mean, David Lee Roth still sustained it. Yeah, but he did, but he did, he fell off. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, there was that period of time in the nineties, like a lot of those guys, I mean, yeah, where there was, it was a dark yeah. period. I mean, yeah, he was a paramedic, which cracks me up, which I guess is a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, but noble, he, was, he but, was never broke or playing. At- no, I think he, I think he struggled a little bit. I mean, it wasn't, I think, I don't think he was as financially, yeah, like, like his former bandmates. Uh, um, I, so I think there was a little bit, yeah. Kirk Cobain um, would have been, I brought this example up before about Godier. He would have just gone back to his scene. I don't want this anymore. Well, yeah, that's I what we talked so about too. in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. would he have just? Yeah, would we have come full circle? Would we have just gone back to Bleach and like again those kind of uh, Aberdeen and Olympia, Washington type, yeah. whatever? Ooh, I feel yeah. like he, he would, would, just, he oh, would just, remember that guy type thing. Yeah, yeah, but he would. Put, he would he, yeah, go ahead. He Alex. would put yeah. out. I think. He, I feel like he would put out like lo-fi, like acoustic records. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, a, like, yep, like, like as my exactly. dad and I have talked about this as far as bands like that. Yeah, they they're 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 frozen in time. I mean, really are. So it's hard to like Hendrix. I mean, that's another. Yeah, we don't we don't know. I mean, because he died when he was still got the doors. over the yeah, 
Again, Jim, Jim Morrison, Morrison died yeah. 27. Yeah, he's he's frozen as that guy. Yeah, the, the, yeah that, that 27-year-old kind of... Never got yeah, a chance to idea. really embarrass himself the way a David Lee Roth ended up Exactly, and, and who knows? I mean, and he, you could tell there was that t- time towards the end of his life where he was struggling with alcohol. He bloomed up, and he was fat and beer with like the... Yeah. Like the or like, like Lane the Staley beard, or yeah. something. Right, yeah, so we don't... But Kurt, I mean, he... Yeah, he was still kind of um, at, at, at the forefront you know, of his... Yeah, that's is, a good... Yeah. That's a good that no, that's a good person to bring up. Yeah. It's like Lane Staley died of a drug overdose in the nineties too. Early two thousand. Or was it the yeah. early two thousand? Two thousand two, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. He kept going. I forgot. But he disappeared. It's like Yeah, but they they, they stopped. I and mean then, it, it was like five years between their last record, I think, and when he died. Or five or six years. So they were inactive for a while before he So they who were was kind the other of right guy? Who was the guy from uh Chris Cornell? No, Okay, because he kept going too. I'm trying to think of guys from that scene that like died early. It was uh, from Mother Love Bone. What was his oh, name? Oh, Andy was Wood. It? Andy Wood. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he in like he died pretty early on. What after like the first? They only made one record, which which is there's some pretty good stuff on that. That's actually yeah, a, a record and, and, worth and, and, uh, looking into. And, and if you watch the Pearl Jam documentary, from what I remember, like he's kind of the focus. I think of the first good portion of that documentary where how influential he was and. Yeah, that was one of those. A lot of they said, yeah, he was a guy who. They talk about how he was uh, one of the few guys who loved being a rock guy. He was like the one, and I don't know if that. And you can say I don't know as far as the success they had. If that was them paying homage to like you know what, yeah, Andy would have loved what we're. Yeah, maybe it's bringing that a little bit of with what we're doing. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. What were you saying though about those guys, Alex? Like like Lane Staley or. Well, it's just like interesting. It's you know. Guys from the, you know, 90s Seattle grunge scene that, like, died early, and it's like, Under I don't similar, know. Yeah, who just struggled, it, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just weird to think about. For some reason, I thought Lane Staley no. uh, died earlier on, but I'm like, again, why was it that... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you know why was it why was it like that Kurt is the one that most people are still talking about like yeah maybe Andy Wood was maybe it was because they only put out one record and they didn't have as big of a legacy but like he was kind of on the up and up and was inspiring a lot of people and died you know too soon and it's like well you're not really talking about him as much as you are about Kurt and I, yeah. I just think it's because Nirvana was a way bigger band that there's like more mystery and it's more of a shame. Well, here's something but, about Lane Staley is that I'm looking now because I had read this before. I just wanted to confirm it that he made his final public appearance. I shouldn't say more of a shame. That sounds bad. I shouldn't. Yeah. I shouldn't make anybody's death any more important than the other. But basically, uh, October 31st, 1998 was his last public appearance, and he didn't die until April 5th, 2002. So he basically spent three and a half years. Under completely the grid, hidden yeah, off the grid yeah so i guess you could say even if he died later he was gone by the night into the 90s by, yeah. by the mid to late 90s yeah in, in spirit yeah you could say he was he he the 90s you know he was gone then because mm-hmm. uh, i know the last couple of years of his life i think were pretty rough but uh yeah uh, well and some of the music that um you know immediately following nirvana i mean there's um the whole industrial scene too which we never talked about at all which was huge in the '90s. I'm surprised you didn't even bring it oh, up, yeah. Chris. Um, what bring you know, up what? I'm sorry. Like the industrial nine inch nails scene. type stuff, right? Yeah, nine inch nails and and uh, you know, Kate, I think we did. Uh, um, I don't think, once, but or, 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 well, yeah, like or ministry. ministry. I don't, I, yeah, ministry I don't, was I don't huge. Think, yeah, I don't Manson. think they. I don't think they had the cultural 
impact though that uh, that the Seattle scene had. I mean, I uh, I don't know. It, like, I grew up at the tail end uh, of that mall goth era, and there was definitely like yeah. the corn in the Marilyn Manson was yeah. Mushroom I don't know. Like, like we're all remember when everybody's worried about Marilyn Manson like getting their kids. Oh yeah, Columbine too. And, like yeah, with all that. I mean that that was on the news. Oh, you could say there was another point I wanted to make yeah. as far as yeah the media's role in kind of pushing something maybe more than what the people who are being pushed would be comfortable with. I mean because I because uh, going back to our Beatles discussion, I I mean I, I think with Nirvana, I think the media was much more uh, kind of inf- uh, instrumental in making their career than the Beatles were in with like the Ed Sullivan kind of yeah. I think there was. Uh, uh, I think I think they had hit enough years on the road yet yeah, that I think they kind of made their own. Uh, not that they weren't on TV, but I think yeah, I think it was a lot more aggressive with in '91 as far as yeah, with, with what happened to Nirvana. But what do you guys think? I, well, I, and in terms of just the scene turning, I think well, how it burned out so fast really would be because of media exposure. And I think people had no choice but to or just, I guess, no other reaction other than to turn to something else, which is why maybe these guys, um, you know, either, you know, committed suicide or broke up or left or how the scene really didn't have, you know, kind of petered off into this post-grunge, very, you know, butt rock, you know, very generic type scene. And then on the other hand, you had something more extreme evolve from that uh, in Marilyn Manson or, you know, Slipknot or Korn. And so that took the wind out of it. And when the media turned towards that, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, grunge just kind of sell, uh, seemed like, eh, yeah. like a no big deal. Like, but Marilyn Manson is, you know, hey, doing right. nothing but I think, that Kiss I, didn't I, do. I, but. Yeah, I think Seattle scene was still more of a like a critical moment compared to what Manson did. I think that was more just kind of a later evolution, maybe, where people were kind of shocked. But it's not, you, you don't see exhibits to... Yeah, uh, yeah, to Marilyn Manson or well, you're Korn not see or any now though. So. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> in particular, happened. but I'm talking, I'm talking yeah. about in general. I mean, you, 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 yeah, that that was really. But again, is that because of their timing? Yeah, again, and that's it. I think it is. I think, I think, yeah, I think yeah. that's an element. Yeah, like I, like I was saying earlier. And I also many, think it's yeah. a big part of like the state of like the youth at the time of when the band maybe comes around right. and that's, to. Yeah. That's, yeah. just that's, the, that's just the history of civilization. I mean, things are marked by drastic changes. Touched, yeah. It's like the band touched the high schoolers and the 20-year-olds at that time. More than any other uh, decade. I mean, even, yeah, I mean... It's like you get why it's like it's like you get why Elvis is big. It's like all those kids at the time had never seen anything like that and were so conservative and prim and proper, probably, yeah. and here's this guy that just made it okay to lash out and you know, be sexual and the great crass and stuff like Michael that. Michael Angelo Badio, Chicago guitarist, did a great demonstration <laughs> once comes up on where this. he would somehow, <laughs> guys, so mentioned on this show, I, he did a, we, we Chris and uh, Kevin yeah. and I saw a clinic with him and he talked about the evolution of the height of guitar playing <laughs> and he talked about like how you played up by your neck <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden like Elvis started Star bringing Trek. it down low and then, you know, the guitar just started okay, dropping back and looking again. cooler and cooler as you, I forget what point I was trying to make. Like it just, it just, no, but it, 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 it came back up again though. I feel like in the early two thousands yeah, when like bands yeah. like the oh, yeah. strokes and stuff yeah. like that, like those kind of nineties, like art. Yeah. It was starting to yeah. come back up a little bit. Yeah. If anything, yeah, Nirvana yeah. was a, a moment in time that for whatever reason, it's just the, the pressure was at the surface and yeah, more 
and it just again you can't explain it it's one of those it's one of those yeah kind of just visceral, because yeah That's if you want answer. yeah i don't know like i said i mean the material there's enough there i mean and, and i know alex had talked about that there that there, there, there was kind of popish punk that up that came before but i don't Alex, would you say that, that, that it hadn't been streamlined like what they did at that moment would never mind? Do you think that that was the most kind of commercial that that genre had ever gotten? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you've dug more, a lot more into it than uh, any of us have. I mean, would you think that that, I mean, well, that, I, yeah, as, as far as how it sounded, how it pushed through? And yeah, the moment, of course, that's yeah, the moment. I don't yeah. know. You yeah. look at like bands like The Clash, like, I don't know if they ever got as, I mean, obviously they never got as heavy. I mean, you right. listen to that first Clash record and. Yeah. And like stuff like, you know, uh, Anarchy in the UK and like the guitar tones are like heavy and angry and it's simple songwriting. And obviously that made an impact at the time. Right. So and like the Clash were opening for the Who at like Shea Stadium and were like on huge tours. So it's not like they were nobodies too. So and there was like simple songwriting and, you know, you can go into like the power pop stuff of like Elvis Costello and things yeah. like that. And it's like. Well, I mean, these the stuff wasn't that hard to digest either, and it was catchy and simple and but yeah, but maybe the, a little there, well, there wasn't a, yeah, there wasn't as much of a backlash though in seventy seven, seventy eight to all the Probably entire rock not. genre like there like there was in ninety one. Right. Because again, when when the Clash came out, I mean, you had Van, Van Halen's first record, you had uh, Foreigner's first record. I think came out either that year or the year before. You had all these that were being embraced. I mean, there was no real. But in '91, there was a real backlash to everything. I mean, it wasn't. It was pretty much like this or nothing. Yeah, like that kind of. Which I don't think existed uh, in those yeah. earlier. Uh, well, and again, and, and again, yeah. the new production. I mean, this was what 10, 15 years after the Clash. I mean, their first record. I mean, where the production techniques are a lot more deservedly like, so. Yeah. Yeah. You had to have a genre get that bad as as mainstream rock did in the late '80s for a Nirvana to be able to right. succeed. And it was, it got pretty, I mean, you can say, argue that, I mean, in, again, in the late 70s, I mean, there was a lot of really cool stuff that was coming up from all avenues, where in the early 90s, I mean, yeah, the rock genre had really kind of gotten to one particular... I've seen people uh, say that, like, why did yeah. I like Nirvana? You know, why did I like Nirvana? So yeah. Because if you lived through 10 well, years of the 80s music, you would <laughs> yeah. just absolutely be loving, and I didn't, I chose and picked what I wanted to listen to. Listen so. to, right, yeah. And that's, here, here, and, that's, and that's another thing as far as yeah, something dictating what the rig and it is weird it's like well bands that like Motley Crue that had what just two years earlier had a, a, had, had sold six seven eight million records and like all of a sudden they're done I mean no that, I don't think that why, yeah that didn't, well, happen, here, that, 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 that didn't happen to Van Halen I mean they were still they had I mean uh, the F-U-C-K record was still a three four five million selling yeah. in 91 so why yeah. Why Th that? This is yeah. <laughs> th this is something that that I, I wanted to look up, and usually I don't look at yeah. these things, but it helps put stuff into perspective. You guys can go on Wikipedia and look this up. Look up um, the Billboard end of the year Hot 100 singles of 1991 and 1992. I'll 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 just rifle off the the top ten for each year. All right, uh, from one to ten, Brian Adams. This is 91. Brian Adams, Color Me Bad. CC Music Factory, Paul Abdul, Timmy T, EMF, Extreme, High Five, Surface, Amy Grant. Okay, I I, I know th maybe three of those artists. Then you get into Boys to Men, Mariah Carey, Damn right. Yankees, Mariah and Carey. then <laughs> you're still here. And uh, and Nirvana's not even on here. So yeah, then you get into 1992 top ten Boys to Men, Sir Mix a Lot, Crisscross, Vanessa Williams. So we're getting a little bit more. Pop, hip hop, yeah. TLC, Eric Clapton, 
and vote red hot chili peppers interesting yeah. we haven't talked about them color me bad john cicada then you got mr big and other stuff and finally nirvana reaches the chart on where did i see it it's definitely on 1992 i just passed it I oh there s- it is 32 smells like teen spirit i gotta say based on everything you just rifled off there you get maybe it. i like nirvana a little bit more now i don't know <laughs> yeah. like, i like big butts it's, and i can't like i like what is that like that's just not you know compared it's to interesting like to this. see well, like i said could you, see, yeah, guns and roses factory. guns and roses beat them out in 92 with november rain at the 17 spot though mm-hmm. you know what's weird with the talking about that yeah that nirvana is considered the band that uh that kind of changed everything but it was funny because you also hear a lot of people talking about how guns and roses in 87 was also one of those bands that started to shift yeah. uh the, I mean, because Chris is segueing nicely. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Going from here. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that they were kind of this classic rock band that were again was very edgy and kind of, and I don't know. I guess it's funny as much as Kurt wants to distance himself from that. Him and him and Axel did kind of share similar kind of oh, background. Oh yes. Yeah, very dark, very dark, very kind of broken, very. Uh, and again, the, the and that just fits. Yeah, that they were they were they were human i mean they were yeah compared to everybody else yeah that there was a like a that they weren't looking for specific they weren't looking to be goofballs or weren't looking to be embraced the uh and just happened to get thrown into it uh and they did and they did kind of it's or they had a a conviction that i think a lot of other bands didn't and you can see it it led to them having this and at that point in that and again we're we've talked about it yeah ad nauseum at this point i did that it was that more people were looking for something that was and they didn't yeah. even know it. And and yeah. that's a, you know, as much as they would not want to admit it, there are a lot of similarities when it comes to their career path with your explosive first album. Uh, I mean, Bleach was the first album, but you know what I mean, where it just But in a short, in a short amount, in a short amount of, of time, yeah, it, it wasn't like, again, like Metallica took a de- uh, yeah. like several years before they got to that, where it was pretty quick, where they just kind of went kaboom, yep. uh, yeah. A whole decade of career in, you know, three or four yeah. albums, and then a hiatus effectively. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe Guns N' Roses might do a new album, who knows? Um, but maybe we will do some Guns N' Roses. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, let's wrap up the Nirvana discussion with some final thoughts and takeaways. Why don't we go in um, inverse order of Nirvana love? Let's start with Kevin. <laughs> what are your takeaways, Mr. 49%? Uh, you know what? I appreciate this band more for doing the podcast. I know I gave him 49%. Maybe it's not all for the music. Honestly, one of the most interesting stories in rock and roll, and rock and roll has a lot of interesting stories. Um, God, it, it's hard to deny what happened, and you know, maybe their influence over over a decade. So, you know, I, I will give them props to that. Will I revisit the music a lot? Maybe not, but I'm still glad that we we took this discussion. Okay, I will follow up as the front run or as the uh, uh, runner up towards uh, that you know bottom end of Nirvana love. Uh, I think that the band I stand by my uh, opening statements for Bleach. I think that it was just the most perfectly timed band of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I had an opportunity to dig into the 90s uh, beyond Nirvana, uh, discovered Alice in Chains, whom I now like a lot, 
Uh, even Pearl Jam, and I will never like that singing style, but the band themselves yeah. is, there's something there to listen to. And even in Nirvana, to appreciate a band, and it's almost refreshing because, you know, Queen, a band of virtuosos, all four of them, really. Um, the Police, you know, we talked a lot about Stuart, um, you know, Copeland, and, and you know, it, it's, it's refre- it was refreshing. Nirvana was refreshing. So at least I got to experience in a little microcosm of this show what culture may have been like from 91 you know, let's say 89 to 93, I got to experience the Nirvana experience in four weeks after listening to, you know, all that we've listened to this point. Uh, I will call the Nirvana experience refreshing and I can appreciate what they did with what they had. Certainly a band that made a lot with the, uh, you know, what they had access to. So Alex, your closing Nirvana thoughts. Sure. Yeah. And not to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, but you did say it really well. And for a band that I was very, well, maybe outside of the first record, like I I was a big fan of the second and third record. So I knew them. I kind of grew up with the band. Like I said, I was in a Nirvana cover band. So I've played the songs live. Like I've watched a lot of live footage. So I I followed them for a while. I've I've always liked them. Um, But it was really cool to digest the whole discography in such a short period of time and actually discover some songs um, off the first record that I wasn't aware of. Like, I, I do wish I kind of listened to more of the B-sides because a lot of them I, I, I really like. Um, but I, I thought that was cool. Um, it, it, in a way, made me appreciate them more. Like you said, they did a lot with what they had. Uh, I really actually enjoyed going back and watching more of, like, the interviews and hearing people's takes on why they were that band. Um, if anything, though, I maybe it hurt it a little bit because I'm starting to almost kind of understand where you guys are coming from, where it's like, well, it does, you know, after I've had time to kind of step away from this band for a while and listen to different genres and listen to stuff that's more intellectual and technical and, and maybe even less, you know, dumbed down than what they were doing. And it's like, yeah, I wonder why it was this band. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I still love it to this day. And I don't know if it's just because I grew up with it. And it's more of like, I can't, I can't not like it. Cause I grew up with it and I just have memories with it. Like if I, if I took a Kevin approach and listened to it for the first time now, would I also be like, well, I don't get it. It's like, yeah, it's catchy. It's cool. But it's like, I don't, what's so special about it. Alex, I grew so, up with Papa Roach and Limp Bizkit. So there might be hope for you yet. No, but so <laughs> like, so, 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 no, so I'll, I'll understand where you guys are coming from. It's like, I, I, I still love the band. And if anything, there's, like I said, there's some of the interviews and the way they carry themselves. And if anything, I appreciated that more, like the music I kind of already knew and loved, and I didn't really need a whole lot of convincing there, but it was more of like reading the interviews and watching interviews and stuff. It's like, okay, I can kind of in a way see how this connected. So that's kind of what I took away from it. All right, and Chris, the Nirvana fanboy of the group, at 74%, what do you say? Um, uh, yeah, if I have one thing, it's just, uh, it, it was fascinating kind of digging into like how much a specific moment in time can influence a particular set of individuals, yeah, who, yeah, didn't necessarily see it coming, but ultimately, yeah, it just happened. I mean, it only happens every, again, I mean, it's kind of a cliche statement, it only happens once a generation, and uh yeah they definitely were yeah 
were there. I guess it was yeah that moment where, as far as just kind of regular people, kind of getting up to the top of the mountain, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, ultimately, we saw, saw what happened. Um, and like with any genre, you see that it always gives birth to kind of uh, kind of second and third rate uh, <laughs> clones. Yeah, which. Uh, but as far as themselves, I mean, for a band of three guys who came from a kind of a little kind of uh, kind of just a little kind of. Uh, uh, to kind of quote Buzz Osborne from the Melvins, like a sh- like an area that's like being inside a shellfish, you had to have such a pop sensibility, yeah, uh, that you didn't really see in a lot of a lot of the other bands that came up with them. It was kind of fascinating, yeah, just kind of digging into that, yeah, into that aspect of uh, uh, yeah of that scene, uh, yeah, the, yeah. I, uh, again, just a, a meat and potatoes band that kind of got to that level. It's always uh, it's always cool, kind of digging into those. Kind of As breaks to riches stories. The band on your yeah. shirt would say it's a long way to the top. To the top, yeah. Uh, and yeah, maybe a little bit shorter for them. I mean, it was what yeah. three, four years, but uh, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it's uh, that's the rags uh, to riches story. I suppose that's so compelling. Yeah. That hey, yeah. it only takes yeah. me three albums to become the greatest, one of the great, you know, in in, of, in the of, same of breath as John Lennon. Yeah. You know, it took yeah. him fifteen albums or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, but again, yeah, again, uh, just co- uh, condensing my statement, yeah, just how a moment can can shape and push a particular, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, collective, and it did. I mean, yeah, it's happened a few times, but yeah, that was probably one of the more extreme examples in music history. Yeah, where all of a sudden, just a real, yeah, yeah kind of yeah, just rag and tag group of people, all of a sudden, are the are spoken in the same air as Michael Jackson and Madonna and. Yeah, Whitney Houston and all these. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and sadly, you saw the consequences of that. That the, the, they didn't embrace it as much as those other people did. But it uh, it but, does yeah. it it does make me wonder though if there was more behind it. Well, I'm and, sure, like like I said, I did. Label, yeah, from a record label yeah. marketing standpoint, and and I was asking that too. And this is like no this because, like I said, like I I listen to the stuff and I still like it today, and I get why it was marketable. But there's still some of those questions, like why them? And sometimes I wonder if, like, I'll bring this up. Remember when we were doing Pink Floyd and with Dark Side of the Moon? Like, you can listen to that record compared to anything they did before that and understand why it blew up. But also, I think I remember reading, like, that was the biggest, like, marketing push for a record they ever had and maybe like anybody had and it's like well did maybe the record label in a way kind of force the band and just oh, yeah. put and it non-stop where you couldn't yeah. look away you couldn't not see it and it's like well i i have to pay attention and check the out the music this band. lives up to it in the and that's the thing and, that, and that's i think it mostly does here uh they marketed it as this this angsty youth you know shift in musical direction and and you listen to the record and it was like maybe right. I and was kind of complaining that it, it smells like Teen Spirit opened the album and they kind of doesn't continue that for until right. Drain You or whatever. But hey, like it's it's they definitely marked it the right way. And would you would you the viewer at home would you say no if the record right. label said we are going to put you in the studio we are going to make no. you a superstar we're going to put you on I'm pinups not... we're going to put you on a stadium tour. You know exactly. I don't blame yeah, them. I mean it worked. Yeah. So, it did. I mean that's and that's the it was biggest a team effort. Yeah, and that's yeah, the biggest thing is, again, like I've said, I mean, so many elements that go into to making uh, making a group or a star or whatever. Yeah, and this is, 
You have to have this is, most this is of one them. Of, you don't need them yeah, all. This is, you gotta have most. Right. Of them. I mean, and again, I mean, the music is the most important thing. I mean, yeah. Again, you can you can push a, a pile of garbage as much as you want, but it's still is it still a pile of garbage? I mean, I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the in the audience, no. I mean, all the uh, yeah, the, uh, we as the audience, we're not stupid. I mean, for the most part, especially uh, people like us who really dig into it. I mean, we can we can tell when something, even if it's cookie cutter, if it's still good, we'll listen to it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, but if you sure. if you don't have the, if you don't have that strength of melody or pot or whatever, uh, uh, or, or that that hook or whatever that gets into your yeah, you're not gonna uh, or whatever you're saying. I mean, but there's got to be all the elements have to come together. Yeah, you can't just mm-hmm. yeah just throw it together mm-hmm. and expect it to uh, yeah, uh, expect it to work. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. that wraps up our Nirvana discussion. If you enjoyed this, uh, I would assume that you would be also interested in listening to the track by track and how we came to form these opinions. But until then, we will be seeing you very soon with a new discography, an exciting discography that I think might, uh, I don't know, might be the inverse of this one. Might be, uh, I don't know, we'll see who switches sides on that one, who can put aside their biases and who might uh, bring some critical opinions to the group and, uh, you know, participate in some good discussions so we'll hope you join you for that one i hope you enjoyed this cigar room discussion on uh the nirvana as we close out the group and uh yeah we will see you then 